For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of your favorite celebrities. This is Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. You already know what it is. It's another episode of Gold Mines. And what do we do on Gold Mines? God damn it, we get inside the minds of amazing personnel. Once was comedians, but we had to broaden it. Comedians was too small. Why? Well, because there's so many more amazing minds out there. Minds of funny personnel, funny, funny and amazing brains, entrepreneurs, writers. I mean, goodness gracious, storytellers, directors, you name it. I can go down a list of what people do. We felt the need to expose and expand. So that's what we're now doing in today's mind. Well, guess what? It follows suit, ladies and gentlemen. This is someone that I have tried to talk to for so long, but through the trials and tribulations of different website and online connections, we've been met with various roadblocks. But finally, finally, this conversation can happen. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Punky Johnson to the show today. Punky! Yes, what's happening? Hey. Finally, Kev! Finally! Finally, right? Yes. Finally! Just a little background on Punky, man. You know, there's so much that we can say and can't say due to the climate of today. You know, we're dealing with a strike and that strike puts certain loopholes on our conversation. But an amazing background you come from, you know, a writer, an amazing voice, an amazing talent, an amazing personality you have been for so long. Yeah. And it's so dope to talk to you because what I love to do is highlight the stories, right? I love to really tap into the trajectory, tap into the world of why, how, right? Yeah, Where yeah. did it start? How did it start? These are the things that I feel the people that are deemed to be my listeners really want to understand and know. So, Punky, first yeah. and foremost, where are you from? New Orleans, Louisiana. Big up, Sherman, down south. <laughs> Southernality out here. Southernality. Southern I've heard that before. That's right. Southernality. It's like a twist on personality, correct? It's a twist on personality because, you know, we all speak to each other out there. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to a lot of places, ain't nobody speaking. A lot of people don't hold open doors. We speak to everybody. Mm -hmm. How you doing, my baby? What's going on, my baby? Ah, very, very comfortable and loving. In the South, right? Uh, and I, I think I think that's one thing that I've always taken away from the South. Every place can have the feeling of home if you allow it to, right? You know, Absolutely. everybody wants to speak to your point. People don't mind having a conversation in public. You know, the idea of being a stranger is something that's frowned upon in the South. People want to say they know. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to know who mm -hmm. and know how. I, I can agree to that. It's fun down here. All right, so... Southernality you have. I, I want to say, of course, we all don't just do what we do. You don't get into the world of entertainment just because it's the first thing. It's something that we tend to fall into or discover. For you, what is it that acted as your throughway, right? Like, what was the gateway to you to get to the world of business, uh, of course, that you now are in? How did it happen? How did you fall into it? Well, I'm going to start with my mother. She wanted to move to Hollywood and be an actor. She told me all my life, I wanted to go to Hollywood. I wanted to do this. I wanted to act. I wanted to sing. I wanted to dance. But I chose to stay in these streets 
and I don't want you to be like me. (laughs) (laughs) So she's always been like very, very dramatic in everything that she does. Even when punishing me, she's dramatic. Um, You know how every weekend the family clean up and they listen to music. My mama didn't Mm -hmm. listen to music. She listened to Eddie Murphy and oh, wow. uh, uh, Richard Pryor. So you you grew up in a in a comedy household. Yes. From the gate, was that always like the uh, I guess you could say the the pick of choice for not just your mom but other people? Did you guys always respond to comedy more than music, more than anything? Always, always. The whole family, the whole family is stupid. Yeah. Everybody dumb yeah. in this family. Nobody take nothing serious. We the type of family. As soon as you start getting serious and sentimental, we be like, "Go ahead on with that bullshit. Just shut up and yeah. shut up, Fabio. Yeah, Ain't nobody got time to be serious. We don't know. We the only time we get serious is when somebody, <laughs> if somebody died, and even at the funeral, we still acting a fool. Were you the funniest? Like, do you feel like out the gate, or were you the chosen one of funny? Have you always been the funniest? person in your household or was it a discovery that came later like were there other people in front of you that were oh no don't aunt aunt such and such or uncle such and such that's where the comedy came from who did you lean on more for the laughs look i'm gonna tell you this my family funny don't even know they funny like we go back and watch a lot of home videos and my grandmother was probably the funniest of everybody just the way she used to go off Mm -hmm. on people my uncle was super super funny and talented I mean, I don't think they would have got on stage and did no stand-up comedy. But as far as their aura and what they put out into the world, it was just stupid. So I would say mm-hmm. it was my grandmother, my uncle, and my mother. See, my mother made me want to get into the show business. My grandmother, my uncle, was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I just followed suit. I, from listening to Richard Pryor and watching everything she would watch, of course, that trickles down to me. So I started watching all of it. And I started really getting into it since okay. I was younger. The last thing I would watch when I would go to sleep before bed is Comic View at night. Oh, wow. When I would see like wow. Montana and DC Curry, Cedric the Entertainer, all them guys. It's so crazy when you think about just the world of Comic View, you think about Dev Jam, you think about all the names attached to it. You know, these are not only household names. These are names that acted as the reason for people's entry into yeah. comedy, right? And it wasn't always about the biggest star. It was about the people that you related to that you got to see in a consistent way. That's what BET Comic View was for me. Like you said, that nighttime television was key in our households. And, you know, it wasn't like you could watch a bunch of stuff. The things that we related Mm -hmm. to always had a high level of laugh attached to it. And BET was that. Here's my question. Before making the step to comedy, was there another job? Was there something else you were doing? Did you have to leave something else to start doing comedy? So I don't ever think I was made to be in like the... I don't want to call it the regular world, but the nine to five world, because I got a mouthpiece and I'm not really good at controlling it all the time. I'm not made to be in the corporate world, corporate world. The corporate world. Yes. So you were in the corporate world at, at, at a certain point right, in time. Right. And, 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 and okay. it wasn't even like when a suit corporate world. I was working at a bar. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but the bar still had rules, you know, and I had to follow these rules. <laughs> and people come talk to you all crazy. And then I get fired for defending myself verbally. I mean, but dude came through a chair at me one time. I was like, what you talking mm-hmm. And I caught the chair and then like, but the, the people at the bar loved me. So they all got up and chased him down the street. It was a whole bunch of stuff. But um, what really made me leave to go follow my dream was I was going through stuff with an ex. And I was just like, this, it ain't worth it. Let me just go follow my dreams. You know what I'm saying? I'm not okay. about to sit up here and do this with you when I could be doing much bigger, better things. The ex inadvertently pushed you to 
a place where you felt that you should do the thing that you were destined to do. Yeah. So ultimately that ex brought value to you. That's yeah. value. That's what I'm saying. Like, okay. First of all, I was young. We was together for like eight years and she was wow. like, this it? And I was like, what you mean? She was like, I got to go out there and, and play. And that I didn't know how to be hurt. That was my first time being hurt. So mm-hmm. I didn't know how to experience that pain. So I was just doing stuff. I was just following her. I'm just like, oh, no, no. After like a couple months of that, I was like, I got to go. I got to get out of here. Oh, you went crazy. Oh, no, You're I saying that you had a crazy period. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had a crazy, you had a crazy period for a minute. Right. Just doing stupid <laughs> stuff. Climbing trees <laughs> and with smoking weed, uh, chilling, eating chips and sandwiches on limbs. I had lost my mind because I didn't know how to handle that hurt. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And we wasn't the generation to be like, oh, I'm going to go get help and go to therapy. We wasn't there at that yeah. time. Yeah. So I yeah. just went crazy. And then I got up, left. Well, there's good things that come from crazy. First thing, first things first is acknowledging it. If you're a person that loses it and refuses to see that you lost it, then that means that you're on the other side. You can't lose it and not realize that you lost it. You got to be able to say, oh, no, I'm not mentally where I'm supposed to be. And I need to get back to a place where I find my foundation. That's right. That's good. It's when you ignore it and are okay walking without a foundation. That's when it gets bad. So your foundation, of course, presented itself because you started to follow your dream. So now we get into a space of you following your dream. Oh my God. What is the thing that happened that acted as the light bulb of, okay, this is it. I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right thing. For you, what was that light bulb moment? All right. Well, first of all, I knew I wanted to do comedy, but I was too scared to do it. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I lied my whole life. I lied. I'm not doing it. So when I moved to Los Angeles, I went to acting school. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just get in through acting school. I'm not doing comedy. I'm, I'm a punk. I'm a pussy. I'm too scared. So then I needed a job. So I went on this website. I mean, it's this dope-ass website called Craigslist. And mm-hmm. <laughs> they listed a whole bunch of places that was hiring. And I saw the comedy store was hiring for cocktail waitresses. Now, I thought it was a comic book store. But I'm dumb as hell because why would they need cocktail waitresses? I'm just dumb. My brain didn't wire the two together. So then now in New Orleans, when we get ready for an interview, we get ready for an interview. We need that job. Okay. I'm going, I'm casket shop. I got a suit on. I got this smooth pink uh, pinstripe button down with a vest, (laughs) black pants. I got a briefcase with my head shot in there and my resume on the other side. I'm casket shop. Bury me today. I'm ready, right? So I go there and I didn't know LA ran interviews like this. It's like 75 people (laughs) up in there. 75. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, Jesus, Mm -hmm. how am I going to get this job? Now, when I get inside, that's when my mind is blown. Because if you ever go to the comedy store, you see Everybody that's highlighted. You got Robin Williams highlighted. Uh, David Letterman. Just all the greats are just highlighted. The neon mm-hmm. lights in the original room, right? And then you got all these names on the wall outside. I'm like, what is this place? So I go in. I have this interview. I'm like, there ain't no way I'm going to get this job with 75 people. So then I make a promise to myself. Yo, if you get this job, you can't be no bitch. If you get this job, mm-hmm. it's meant for you to do comedy. Promise yourself and God in the universe right now, if you get this job, you're going to stop being a punk. And you're going to do comedy. Wow. Out of 75 wow. people, I get the job. That's where it started right there. Wow. So, I mean, that's a, that's the light, right? That's your light bulb moment. Yes. You can't ignore the light bulb moment. And what I mean by that for our listeners is, you know, everybody plays this game with themselves where whether you're asking God, whether you're talking to yourself, everybody has this game where they say, I promise you, if this happens. I feel like I'm going to be able to do the thing that I want to do. All I ask is that this thing go through. And you're speaking that 
out into the world. You're trying your best to speak it into existence. And when that existence presents itself, well, you can't back away from it. No. You can't ultimately lie to yourself. You got to haul ass and go forward with the thought that you basically put into the air. This is what you asked for. Yeah. So now that you get this moment, right, it happens. Oh, my God. Well, I got to go do it. I got to go do comedy. I'm going to stop being a bitch as you say it. I'm going to go make it do what it do. Um, for you, was it an easy transition or was it one that was a little difficult? What did you feel about your legs getting like up under you in those beginning stages? Well, see, I kind of messed myself over because in my mm -hmm. mind, I'm like, look, I'm going to go get this job. I'm going to not say I want to do comedy. The first thing I'm going to do is watch it, see how they politic. Mm -hmm. You know, listen to it, get a rhythm of it, try to understand the game. And then after that, in about six months, I'm going to tell people I want to do comedy. But that came back and bit me in the ass. Okay. Because comedians are crazy. Okay, how? They're crazy. They're, yeah. You're not about to get in this game yeah. and think you're about to take it for granted and think you're about to play with this craft. You ain't about to do that. Mm -hmm. And they showed me. No. Because I came out the blue, hey, I want to do comedy. Like, no, you just want to do it because you see it. You ain't come up in here saying you want to do comedy. Now, all of a sudden, since you're around and you want to do comedy. So now, and I put my foot in my mouth, now I got to work harder to get on stage. Now I got to work harder to prove mm -hmm. to them that it was a plan all along. I just came in a different way, thought I could maneuver it differently. And which circuit were you in? Were you still in the place of New Orleans? Were you in New York? Where were no, you at at, at this, this time? At this time, I'm in California. I got the job now. You're in California. Okay, okay. Okay, so you're in California yeah. now. You're doing a California circuit, which is... Which is a circuit like the California comedy circuit yeah. is not no is not no bitch. And you got real you have real comics that are working really hard on a weekly basis, not only just for stage time, but for an opportunity. Right. Like everybody wants to be seen. Mm -hmm. So everybody's trying their best to be their best at all times. So I can understand where that pressure comes in. Oh, yeah. Uh, were you seven days a week at this point? How many days were you trying to devote to the stage? Oh, my God. I think I went down to six days a week after being into it for like six years. It was seven mm. days a week. Mm. I'm at the coffee mm -hmm. shops. I'm at the, the hole in the wall bars where you got to pay $5. To, I got to pay to work. Mm -hmm. I'm at mm -hmm. um, these trash ass art exhibits in quotations. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I'll still go back to this day. I don't care if they got coffee shops, open mics out there. I'll still go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, I've said it before. I, I feel like it's a fraternity, right? And it's a frat that once you're in and you understand, you never want to leave and get out of because you not only respect the craft, you respect the work that has to go into the craft. So, you know, regardless of any amount of success that has presented itself for whomever, like it's important to understand how the success comes and it, it comes with a high volume of work, right? Yes. A high volume of effort. But I, I like the synergy that the comics kind of have when they band together and when they support one another. I mean, of course, you know, you got your moments of frustration where some may not get along here and there, oh, but yeah. ultimately it's something that is a band of brothers and sisters where everybody is like aligned with, Hey, we want the best for each other because when those doors open, they allow us all to go through them and we can all make moves that allow more moves to be made for others. Absolutely. And I think that's the beauty. That's the beauty of the fraternity. What I'll say is there, there comes a turn in comedy where comedy starts to open up these other doors and these doors get open fast, right? Where you start to realize, well, damn, I don't just have to be a comic. Right. I can get into acting. Yeah. I can get into writing, directing, producing, whatever. Was there a moment of realization for you 
that presented itself of either realizing what other people were doing that made you see what else you could do? Or was that just something that kind of like started to sink in? How did you get to see the broad (laughs) scope of opportunity that comedy could present? Well, honestly, you know, I've always had this dream of doing comedy. Like I told you, I was scared to death. But then when I got into comedy, it was just so much against being black, being a woman, being gay. And then I was Mm -hmm. a waitress. And they didn't want waitresses mm. doing comedy. So the obstacles and the adversity was so hard. I started mm-hmm. putting myself in a box like, this is it. Is mm-hmm. this all, you know, I'm never going to grow, blah, blah, blah. But then I got passed at the comedy store, got my name on the wall. And when mm-hmm. that happened, this guy, Ahmed Weinberg, asked me to do something for Sarah Silverman's company called Please Understand Me. And it was this mm-hmm. sketch show that went crazy. Like everybody was just went nuts. It was like this therapy all show where I played this crazy wife, this crazy masculine wife to this like straight feminine. He was such a sensitive guy. And I was just all like, ah, okay. <laughs> and all kind of management companies saw it mm-hmm. and everybody started hitting me up. So I started doing all these interviews with these people, not interviews, I guess, meetings or whatever. Meetings, generals. Yeah, general, meetings. general meetings. And mm-hmm. Ahmed was with Three Arts and he pulled me to the side. He was like, when you're with Three Arts, you're family. So I was like, okay. And then I go talk to them over there. And of course I meet Ethan and Dave and they did something different that no other people, nobody else did. Like everybody was like showing me a timeline of my career and all of that. And Dave was just sitting up there like, let me tell you something, kid, we're the best. And that was it. That's pretty much all he said. And that's I, it. That's it. He was like, I ain't got to explain <laughs> nothing to you. You either with us or not. And I love, that's the type of attitude I love. I'm like, yep, I'm going mm-hmm. with them. I'm going with them. And by the way, by the way, he's not blowing smoke up yet. No. It's like they really are when it comes to handling talent, operating with talent. Like they've always been at the highest, uh, the highest peak of a mountain, in my opinion. And it's sometimes it's not because of the work and opportunities that they can present. It's just because of the understanding of relationships, mm-hmm. right? Understanding of how to deal with with the people that you are saying that you want to work with. And that's the talent within the mm-hmm. talent. I love the talent that. within the talent is, is dealing with the people that believe in you to bring the opportunities of tomorrow to the table. Yeah. When you have that rapport, it's a completely different understanding. And honestly, I think that the roadmap to real success, it's so broad. The roads can go in so many different ways because you believe that this person has your best interest and you also know that in return, you have a high level of respect yeah. that warrants the feeling for their best interest. So it's a, it's a give and take. Oh, yeah. This is Gold Mines, hosted by Kevin Hart. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks.
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now back to Gold Mines with host Kevin, Kevin Hart. Who are some of your like inspirations, right? When you just said being a female, being gay, being black, there's so many things that you felt were obstacles, being a waitress. And at that point, like, you know, them not wanting the waiters to double down and work as comics. There's so many things that were roadblocks for you. You're pulling inspiration from a various different, you know, uh, group of people, personnel, whether it's family, friends or other artists who acted as inspirations for you. I mean, so many people, I, I ain't gonna lie. Like, just even growing up, just watching Monique some more. Um, I don't even know if she do comedy no more, but Montana, if you out there, Montana, you inspired me so much to get out there and do comedy. Um, wow. Cat Williams, mm-hmm. that's my mm-hmm. guy right there. And you, I watch you, like, I was talking to these people the other day, it was like, how do you put your comedy together? You know what I'm saying? I don't like mm-hmm. to watch too much comedy because then I start sounding like the person. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. I'm starting to do my first special right now. Wow. And I got a hole in it. I'm like, there's a hole in it somewhere and I got to fix it. So mm-hmm. I started watching the people that don't have no holes in it. Like it, it's, it's very well put together. It's very strategic. You know, it's all the callbacks are there. It all makes sense. The setups are there. The story is there. The um, education part is there. The information, like everything is just there. So you and Cat Williams do that the most for me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Especially when you mm-hmm. want to teach somebody, but you teach them with a smile on your face. Because I started watching myself and I'm like, when I'm in these teachable moments, I get so serious. The crowd get kind of tense. And when you in these mm-hmm. teachable moments, you'd be like, I had to learn a lesson. Like you do it. Like, <laughs> you do it with such a smile on your face, with such good energy that I'm just like, OK, that's one thing I'm doing. When I hit the teachable moments, my face get teachable and I get preachy. I'm just like, nah, I got to cut that out. And then you always have these great closeouts to your jokes. So it's not like it's a cliffhanger where it's like, oh, I know something else could have been added to that joke. You close it out really, really well. So I'm like, these are the mm-hmm. things that I'm missing. So now I'm going back into my hour and I'm making sure I got fun, teachable moments that put out good, positive energy. And I make sure mm-hmm. I got a closeout to it. And I'm pulling out these, I'm pulling out these callbacks. Now I got like 10 callbacks. You know what I'm saying? You're talking about working on your hour, right? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand an hour of stand-up comedy is a long time. Yeah. An hour of jokes that are going back to back to back is a long fucking time. Yeah. Like, right now, we're talking. We're, we're having a general conversation. And our conversation, it will take an hour, right? This is a, an hour of real, authentic dialogue. This dialogue isn't filled with back-to-back jokes. Doing something that has the goal or task of providing laughter consistently for 60 minutes is tough. And that hour has to be reworked. What you're talking about is so dope because, you know, I want my listeners to understand, like, 
you have to rework that, work that, rework that again, work it again, then rework it, then go back, rework it again, because you wanted to be as tight as possible. So it's a never ending process. And even when you feel like, oh, this is it, I got it. It's the tightest thing. You're still going to have your days yep. after set where you go, oh, I just thought of something else. Oh, oh, I got another little piece. And you're tweaking it. Yeah. Like, you know, the comics that you named, they're all great from giving the audience a POV of their life or experience and doing it in such a relatable manner to where the audience walks away knowing more about the comic and laughing at the idea that they do some of the same things that we do. Oh, yeah. You, you're not separating yourself from your audience. You're opening up yourself for your audience to go, me too. Oh, my yeah. God. I can't believe you did that. Holy shit. I hope that never happens oh, to yeah. me. But it should always be it should always be something that people can have a yin and yang effect with. And that's what it seems like you're talking about, yeah. even in the things that you're trying to fix. And when you call them holes, I wouldn't even say that they're holes. They're just places where you feel like they can be better and get mm -hmm. better. Not holes. You don't have holes because once again, you're talented at what you do. Yeah. So it's not a hole. It's just something where you're like, oh, I'm going to make this part better. Yeah. I want this part to be enhanced a little more. Yeah. Um, how far do you feel you are away from finding out? Like, Do you feel like you're in the jello right now Man, where I'm you're brutal. in like... I'm yeah, grooving okay. right now because I've been working on it for a while. Of course, you know, I can't be consistent with it because of my job. So it that holds me back. So all I really, really have is the summer. So I had like mm -hmm. two and a half months to do it last year. And this year I'm in it because, you know, we on strike. So like they hooked me up with like 50 something shows this summer. So mm -hmm. I'm excited about it. After like last summer and this summer, I finally got the group, like, I know how it's going to flow now. I know everything is going to be. I'm just like, I was just on stage and I said one word, traditional. I'm like, in my mind, I didn't stop while I was on set, but I was just like, wait, that's it. That's what it's going to be called. I was even struggling mm. to come up with a title. You know what I'm saying? Because it's mm. going to be so special mm -hmm. to me because it's going to be my coming out party as a comedian. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, and I got divorced, so all my divorce stuff going to be in there. And I want people to know I'm not just gay. Like, I got a whole bunch of marriage material where mm -hmm. even I, and I got everybody back because I play both sides. By the way, first of all, that may be the funniest <laughs> shit that I've ever heard. You just said, I just want everybody to know I'm not just gay. Like, like that, that, that right there may be the funniest thing that I've ever heard. Like, first of all, there's levels to me. Okay, I don't want you to think it's just the gay shit with me. I got other stuff. I got like, other stuff. that, but that's like, that's the special part about being a comic. Like, you know, you got a story to tell. Like, as comics, there's so much depth to our lives, to what we've been through. There's hurt. There's pain. There's failure. There's wins, minimal wins, big wins that then are hit with law. Like, yes. a comic's life is funny only to the comic. To other people, they go, oh, my God. Yeah. What? You've done what? You've been through what? But to us, we have an amazing way of looking at our lives through a different lens and to attach the <laughs> laughter to it. I love that. And I love how excited you are. Like you said something that's so key. You said, this is special to me. Yeah. My special is special to me. And that, that right there, that's the biggest part. Yeah. Like you got to find the love or have the attachment to the craft. You got to, you got to love it more than anybody else possibly yeah. can. And it sounds like you do. It sounds like you do oh, have it. that 
level of attachment and love. I get, you know, discouraged sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, oh, like when I can't, I'm just like, oh, there's something to it. I can't get it. Sometimes it's either make me mad when I get frustrated or sometimes I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. OK, OK, joke. Oh, you want to play with mm-hmm. me? Watch, watch how mm-hmm. I handle your ass next time. So mm-hmm. I do that with everything. I do that with food. I'm like, I'm not going to eat you today, chicken, because sometimes I like fry, eat too much fried chicken. I do that with everything that either discourages me or pushes me to do better. It's a fine Well, I think, I think that that's any battle with self, right? Yeah. Like, ultimately, that's just the battle. You know, I used to perform, and I don't know if I say used to because now I, I, I stopped, I shut down, the tour ended. But in me going and, like, really developing a set or working on jokes, like, there were moments where I would hit a stage five, six times in one night and I would put up a week. I would put up about 40 to 50 shows in a week, like in the grind period of me really trying to figure out the jokes, trying to figure out the set. I go to New York and I'll take a a nice, you know, two months and I'll beat the fuck out of a set just to walk away with some type of blueprint or foundation that I was comfortable with. But to your point, you know, taking those battles or having those like those moments where you feel like you can't get over the hump, the best way is just to stay on the hill yep. of like the hump. And eventually it'll crack because yeah. you're not going to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. So eventually you're going to crack it oh, yeah. because of your frustration. Well, that'd be the breakthrough, right? It's like you go through all of this stuff and sometimes I'll look back, I'll be like, I, know, I, was, I was sitting up there getting frustrated, but it was all worth it. It'd mm-hmm. it, it, it all be key to getting to where I need to be. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's just this one bit, you know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to get better at my storytelling. It's just this one bit that I want to talk about. It's so important to my set is about my wedding day. Cause it was horrible. And once I get God, that, already, Oh my God, this, this it's going to take it to the next level. I'm just so excited to be working on it, but it's pissing me off. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I can't get it <laughs> now, but I will. And it's going to be so good. It's going to be delicious. I think that, your level and want right now um, for success in this particular field is dope. It's genuine. And there's like a fresh feeling to that first special. There's a fresh feeling to, as you said, your coming out party um, as a comic. Here's a question that I have for you, right? Everybody does a special and then, you know, the special happens and then it's over. What do you want from your special? What's the takeaway? What do you want the special to set you up to do next? In a perfect world, if you could say, I dropped my special, and then from my special, I'm able to do this. In a perfect world, give me the give me the punky blueprint. It goes special, and then what do you think happens next for you? All right, this might be a big jump, all right? There's no big jump. It's by, I, I can't let you say that. I cannot let you say that. There's no such thing as a big jump. Like this is your blueprint. This is your, this is how you see it. So don't be fucked up. Like when it happens, don't say that because you're going to be fucked up when it happens. So give me your, what is your, the perfect plan? I want to hear it. Well, number one, first of all, I want to be recognized as somebody that's well-respected on stage because I'm okay. not about to just be throwing out no bull. I'm not about to be like, you know what, okay. I'm just put some shit together. They tell me I can do a special. I'm, gonna do a special. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying people okay. do that. I'm just telling you I'm very serious. I want people to see I'm with the, you. The, the intellectual part about it. I want people to see, yeah, she's been working. So that's number one. I'm with you. Number two. I want to do action movies. I want to go straight into it. I want to. Okay. Okay. I've been boxing. I've been running. I do 150 pushups a day. 
Um, you know, okay. I just want to, you know, run and be like, freeze, motherfucker. Like, I just want to do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go straight to action movies. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, like, I don't, everybody like action okay. movies. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Okay. Like action movies. Can I, can I just say something to you? I know you think that sounds like far-fetched. Granted, okay, granted. Yeah, the presentation of it, of going, yeah, no, from here, I'm going to action. Okay, that can sound nuts. I get it. I get where that can sound nuts. But at the same time, it can't. Because if you're just like, look, you know, I want this to set me up for acting. But in acting, I think where I flourish the most is in action. Because I've been working on set things, set things. I get it. I get it. I would say just work on work on the presentation of your, the transition, right? It's like <laughs> acting. And I think the acting things that I'm looking to do are more action and fluid. All right. I'll follow you. But when yeah. you go action movie, like the way you just said, yeah, you jumped out. I get it. But by the way, you'll be surprised at how many opportunities will present themselves. Like when you talk about action and you're attaching, you know, like female actresses, actors, whatever, to these roles, the stunt game, Yeah. listen to me, the stunt game is a real game. Like I've been on sets and scenes where I've watched these women really work in these action scenes mm -hmm. and you walk away blown away by the physical, like the physical punishment of getting thrown, throwing, going to walls, downstairs, like stunt people really like they go at it. And if you're action to the point, you know, I've been dabbling in this action shit. We all get the little taste of now. I'm gonna do this for myself. I got it. No, no, take this one off. You get the you get a little taste where you start to believe this shit. No, no, no. Y'all step down. I got this one. No. Kevin, are you sure? Yeah, everybody, everybody step back. And you get one of them hits, and you go, you know what? You know what? Let me let me sit my stupid ass down. I don't I don't hit my fucking head on this wall. I don't want to say nothing to nobody. I don't wanna I don't want nobody to know it, punky, but I'm I think I'm bleeding. I think I'm fucking I think I think I saw a trickle of blood come out the back of my head. Hey, I now I don't want to shut I don't want to shut this production down, but I think there's a chance that we need a week off because I done fucked up. I'll tell you a funny story. I'll tell you a funny story, right? It's an ice cube story. So we're doing a ride along and this is a stunt, you know, where I'm fighting Lawrence Fishburne and Cube is like, he's fighting the handlers, right? right. In this scene, the guy throws a punch, Cube ducks it and like hits him with a cross. Like, I mean, a real cross. So the stunt guy kept saying, uh, you know, Cube, come across his nose because for the camera angle, come down, right? So you're punching, you're punching straight. It's not reading like a punch. So you gotta, you gotta come, you gotta come across. So Cube's like, all right, okay, bet, 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 bet. So we do it again, and like, still not reading Cube. You gotta go higher. You gotta come across. So the stunt guy goes, look, man, you're, you're good. Just come across. Like I'll, I'll feel it, and I'll be able to go. Uh oh, Cube, <laughs> damn near knocked this motherfucker out. When I tell you this punch, this punch had no, it had no. Business being thrown. <laughs> Listen, this, this punch was nothing like the stunt man's plan, right? The stunt man said, "Go across." Cube's punch was a direct punch. You hear the stunt guy go. The stunt guy goes, "Oh God, <laughs> oh God!" Right? Grabs his nose. Nose start bleeding. He cuts. Oh shit! 
Q, grab him, give him a hug. My bad, man. Stunt guy goes, no, no, no. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay, man. This stuff happens. I'm in the background. You know, this is early on in my career. So I'd have been in a couple of music. The stunt guy goes, this stuff happens. I said, no, it don't. It ain't supposed to. That ain't supposed to happen. That ain't supposed to happen at all. Q, like, shut the fuck up, Kev. I'm, not, I'm just saying, man. You got to get that man something. We got to get yeah. him a gift. <laughs> Listen, stunt guy, he went, took a second, came right back, and finished the scene. Wow. Took the punch like a champ, finished the scene. Cube kept throwing the same type of punches. He kept acting as if it was a correct punch. Never bitched up. I tell that story to say, do oh, you wanted to do action, you got to give some respect and props to the people that do it and have done it at a high level because they're fucking dedicated. Ooh. They're dedicated to the hits and falls. So, Punky, I say that to say, you better put your ass in a position <laughs> where you ready to do... Were you ready to do that physical shit all day? Like it's all, all day. day, all day, man. I was, I was, it's a different animal. I'm watching it, you know, especially like these military movies. I'm like, how much do they have to oh run God. on oh set? God, man. You out there in oh the desert, God. it's hot. I've been there. It's dusty. Jumanji, Jumanji oh, yes. with me with that big ass fucking oh. backpack. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I wanted to throw that backpack <laughs> off the fucking cliff. When we doing them scenes, all right, take off. Y'all got to run. Go, go. And I'm running. All you hear is this. <laughs> my fucking big ass bag, the boots. Oh, you hate it. You hate it after a while. So just understand when you get it, I want to talk to you after. I want to talk to you after a hit. And I want to say, how was it, man? I saw you. I saw you shoot that movie. It looked like it was a lot of action. How was it? And you go, hey, listen to me. It was a fucking workout. It was a gym Always. every day. That's why I stay boxing. I stay in the gym because I already see it. I'm just like, when I wake up, I'll be like, I don't feel like it. I'll be like, action movies. I'll be like, come on, you got to get up. Let's go. Are you sparring? Are you sparring no, in the gym? not yet. But I know it's a different monster. I know it is. Hey, I know it's different because my trainer, sometimes I'll slip and not keep my fist up. He'll just give me a slight tap. Bow. Slight tap. And I shake back like, God damn. You like, imagine if that was a real punch. Keep your fucking hands up. So Punky, listen to me. I shouldn't spar. I'm scared. I was uh I'll say it on air. I got hands. I can I can go. I can fight. I'm really good with the mitts. Really good. <laughs> I'm a beast with the mitts. They put me in there with an amateur boxer. Let me tell you something about the mitts, Punky. <laughs> the mitts. The mitts don't hit back. Okay? <laughs> I talked about this in one of my specials. This motherfucker hit me in the face. I ain't been hit in the face in years. Everything went black. Do you hear me? The, the entire room went black. And I remember closing my eyes. <laughs> After I got hit and I turned my back, I turned my fucking back uh, and the trainer's like, okay, turn around, cover up. And this motherfucker started letting them go. Hit me in the body, in the back of the head. When you get hit in the back of the head, it's the most humiliating shit in the world. Cause it's like, it's like a motherfucker saying, Hey man, turn your stupid ass around. He punched me in the back of the head and it took a second for me to see again. And when I finally did, you know, I was like, yo, fuck this. You fuck this shit. I, Fuck this. Nah, I got to sit down. I got to sit down. I came back out and 
you know, I was able to throw some punches with him after, but that first punch in the face, that first, that first punch in the face is a bitch. Is a bitch. Okay, those, those mitts don't hit back. Just remember I told you that. Look, Kev. The mitts don't <laughs> hit back. Okay? <laughs> you get in there and you catch that solid goddamn glove to the nose, shit gonna get blurry. <laughs> it's gonna get blurry fast. <laughs> so, look. I, look. All I'm trying to do, I'm trying not to get hit ever. My footwork okay. gotta be golden. Um, I gotta shift gears, right? Because, you know, although we can't you know, really get into the depth of the business that you partake in because I want to be respectful to the strike. I want to be respectful Absolutely. to you, to the union, et cetera. But we can talk about, you know, the space of unscripted, the space of radio, right? Where we're talking and we're able to, to kind of pivot and call audibles. You got a, a, a radio show, right? That's happening on Sirius XM right now, yeah. which I'm proud to announce and, and, and simply just say, because it's uh, it's something that we're doing and working on together. Yeah. It wouldn't be in our best interest if we didn't talk about you uh, and your show. And I got to give you a chance to kind of just tell the world about it, what you're doing, and then I'll tag it for you at the end and give you my take on it. You know, the show is Love Thing. Yeah. And, and I want you just to give the world just a breakdown as to what Love Thing is, what it's about, and why they should make sure that they pay attention to it on Sirius XM. Yo, listen, um, y'all, y'all, y'all gotta tune in to Love Thing. Number one, it's a show about love, relationships, situationships, entanglements, whatever it is. We we'll talk about celebrity relationships, whatever's going on at the moment. Listen to it because we try to break it down in funny ways. You know, I don't, I, I watch a lot of love podcasts and it's you know very serious as it should be, but we want to be serious and vulnerable while also being goofy and stupid. And also, I do give advice. It's very unprofessional, unsolicited advice, which mm -hmm. I feel like I can do it because I go off of experience, which I do have 20 years of experience in being in this game because mm -hmm. I got married and I might not could tell you what to do, but I could tell you what not to do. I had one of the most mm -hmm. toxic marriages of all time. And I mm -hmm. do explain it sometimes in the Love Thing podcast. So I mm -hmm. promise you, I can guide you down the right road. So listen to Love Thing Podcast and get this unsolicited, unprofessional advice. And we have fun, too. I mean, when you break it down like that, you're not only giving people a POV into the real, because that's what you're talking about right now. You're talking about real life. You're talking about real life experiences. And you're talking about different approaches uh, to different situations that people are going to honestly relate and resonate with. And I don't think there's nothing better than a person that's not afraid to talk about hurt, turmoil, or the bad. Because to talk about that, you got to be in a place of good. Mm -hmm. You're not talking about it to stay in a place of bad. You're talking about it to let people know through the bad, you eventually will get to the good. And yeah. I mean, even from us talking now on this podcast, there's such a there's such a bright light about you, right? As you say, no, I was hurt. I was fucked up back then. Oh, yeah. no, I was doing crazy shit. Oh, I got divorced. No, no, there's more to me than just the, the gay woman that I am now. There's a lot more. There's death. But you're talking about it with such a, a rejoiceful tone. And to me, that's a sign of happiness. That's a sign of overcoming whatever the past had. And that's also a sign of being more than prepared for what the future is going to present. And Punky, like, it's clear in the conversation. It's clear in your smile. <laughs> I wish people could see your smile. And it's clear in just your love for your craft and what you're doing and also what you want to do. So I say that to say, 
people, make sure you listen to it. Love Thing will be on Sirius XM Channel 96. You know, I pride myself on attaching myself to talent that I consider to be the future. Punky is just that, right? And you'll see what I see uh, and more when you give it a listen. And also, look, she's on an amazing path to do more things. She's yeah. talking about a comedy special. You heard it. It's special to her. Be on the lookout for it. And also, she's doing a lot more in the industry. I won't dig into it. Like I said, I want to be respectful to the strike. Uh, but in this case, I want to make sure that I highlight the talent that you are, the trajectory that you will have, and the success that is coming. Yeah. I don't want to say it's yet to come because you already experienced it, but there's so much more to come. Ladies and gentlemen, guess what? This is Gold Mines. And you already know what we do here. We get inside the minds of amazing personnel. Why? Well, because that's where the gold is. Today was no different, man. Punky Johnson. Yo. A future action fucking star. That's right. That's Put right. some respect on it. Uh, <laughs> Put some fucking respect on it. All right? You heard her. And I believe her, God damn it. Yeah. Punky, thank you for the time. This was long overdue. But I hope you feel like I do and feel like it was worth the wait. Because the damn shit was to me. 100%, Kev. Listen, man. I'm like... People call me, nah, I'm so sorry to turn. I'm like, man, this is a superstar. We're talking about, uh, uh, we're, not, we're not talking somebody that's at a desk every day just with their leg. I'm like, we're talking about a mega, a superstar. I'm like, this, we're good. <laughs> just yeah, we're let good. me know next we're time. <laughs> I, I promise you, it, it was worth the wait. This is an amazing episode. I'm just, like I said, I'm moved by your personality. Your energy is special. So please don't change. Keep that energy. I appreciate right? it, Kev. I appreciate I, you, man. Appreciate Thank you for you. having me out. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. All right, guys. Love thing. Don't forget Sirius XM Channel 96. Yeah. If you don't know, well, you have no excuse because you do now. Yeah. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Gold Mines with Kevin Hart is a Sirius XM and Laugh Out Loud radio production. Executively produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, Mike Stein, Brian Smiley, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil. Additional production from Elise Ellis and engineered by Marcus Hamm. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? <coughs> or just a horrible accident? <coughs> That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a Slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.